All right, welcome everybody to the practice of medicine four. This is of course the clerkship experience, which also functions as your residency readiness course. Of course, I'm Dr. Hector Chapa, I'm OBGYN at the Bryan College Station campus, and I am joined by the one and only Dr. B.A. White. B.A.? Hey everyone, I drove up here to hang out with Dr. Chapa and Janie Jewell, you know them, and I'm just really excited to be up here from Temple hanging out. Yeah, listen, it's always a good time to see UBA, and this is a very important topic because it actually really includes your area a little bit more than mine. I'm OBGYN, right? But as organizational psychology, you've got a lot to say about this topic, guys. So listen, we're talking about something that matters to me, to Dr. White, to BA, to you guys, and we're going to cover an issue called burnout. Listen, medicine's hard. Medical school's tough. And the truth is that there are medical students that get to graduation and say, I'm done. I'm done. Yep. Um, and it happens. Or get to residency and after their 12 months of internship say, I, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. That's an issue. Or change their profession trajectory. It happens. Mm -hmm. There's faculty. So from medical school to resident to faculty, the issue of burnout is real. So why is that? And BA, before we went live, we actually covered a couple of things that you mentioned. We're going to get into it, but there are real systemic issues and there's personal issues that we got to protect ourselves. I'm telling you, I got a buddy in Chicago mm. at UIC, Cook County, a phenomenal historic training location. He's emergency medicine. He calls me at least once every six months. Remember, we graduated like 20 years ago saying, I'm done. Every six months, he threatens to quit. He's still there. Yeah. <laughs> so thankfully, he hasn't, but but it's real. And something to keep in mind is that it, it's not even specific to the profession or to the specialty that you go into. We have a colleague that's in anesthesiology, and you would think that's one of the, you know, more pleasing For sure, right? right? <laughs> and, and he, as well, has said, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. But is he out? or no. he's, So he's still hanging in there. Still hanging in so there. So this issue of burnout is real. So as we get into our first information, I just wanted to tell you all something because we've been sneaking something by y'all. We're actually taping this on a live little feed, but we're actually going to shut that off now. You can actually see that on our Facebook page because for the rest of the information, you got to keep or go to the podcast. So guys, we'll see you back on the Facebook. For those of you guys that are seeing this uh, on Facebook page, and now back to the podcast. You ready, BA? I'm ready. Let's do it. So in this session, we're going to be chatting about, remember, our basic format here. The what is the topic. The why, in other words, why did this matter to us? And how, how to use this information in our clinical practice so that we can prevent injury, in this case, to ourselves, meaning psychological or emotional injury. Because medicine, come on, guys, you all know this. It's an incredibly rewarding profession. It really is. The opportunity and the ability to comfort and heal the sick is an absolute privilege. But if you're not careful, that wonderful of all professions can absolutely consume you. It will eat you up, totally devour you. The healthcare environment with its packed work days, its demanding pace, the time pressures, the emotional intensity, BA, stop me if I'm wrong. No, you're on point. Can put physicians and all clinicians at a high risk for this burnout. It's tough, man. According to a recent Harvard report, physician burnout is a, quote, a public health crisis that urgently demands action. And that's their end quote. So, BA, what else do we know about burnout in the medical profession? Yeah, I just want to reiterate that everything that you said was on point. And it's difficult for those of us who are on this side of it. We're trying to impart to people that it is really complicated. Um, we don't want to discourage people. 
And yeah. so that, that's why we're <laughs> right. here, right? Right, we're for sure. The good news is there's hope. Exactly, right. exactly. So a brief definition for burnout, there's actually some inventories out there for burnout, and this is the definition that they utilize as well. But it's a long-term stress stress reaction marked by emotional exhaustion. So there's three components, emotional exhaustion, okay. depersonalization, and a lack of sense of personal accomplishment. So think about these people that are going into medicine. They're really high achievers, and they don't feel like they're accomplishing something personally. That definitely could get get you down. Mm, I think you see those again, Bia. Those are good. Yeah, so emotional exhaustion, depersonalization. Uh, if you've ever read the, what is it, How what's the House of God book? Yeah, for sure. Depersonalization, <laughs> some examples there. And then a lack of a sense of personal accomplishment. In recent years, the rising prevalence of burnout among clinicians is over 50% in some studies. Yeah. Man. And it's led to questions on how that directly affects care, patient safety, patient quality, burnout disorders, all kinds of things that can really reduce um, patients' access to continuity of care, Mm. quality care. Um, But something that's really interesting is that we talk about it with physicians specifically, it's affecting medical students. So medical students are going into residency already burnout. There's up to 44% worldwide medical students, because you know there's people that go to medical school in other areas besides the U.S. Get out of my egocentrism right there. And Mm. then um, 69% of residents at academic centers. So they specifically looked at academic centers, 69%. And then I know we've picked on um, surgeons in the past, and we might a little bit here too, and that 78% are surgical, where 66% are non-surgical. So I want to just remind everybody what these numbers mean. These are percentages of burnout. Yes. So you said who have claimed to be 44% of medical students worldwide are burned out, 69% mm-hmm. of residents at academic centers, and the majority, almost two-thirds, or more than two-thirds, uh, were surgical, mm-hmm. and then the rest were non-surgical. Yeah. And what else you got? Yeah, this information came from a systematic review. Mm-hmm. Um, 50% of physicians in the U.S., and then 33% of nurses. So it, it's not just physicians. So thinking about your teams that you work with and the stress that's happening, really keeping in mind that there might be other people that are burnt out as well. Um, but what are you thinking regarding burnout? All right. So again, let's 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 pull people back from the ledge. All right. So <laughs> the so listen, these numbers are terrible. But we got to face reality. Look, man, we're not here to sugarcoat anything. This is why we're doing this because you can't say nobody warned you. And I got to be honest, I love what I do. I really do. I've been out 20 years. I, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, I've been and I've been there recently. <laughs> but the idea is is to to remind ourselves that there is hope. This is why this is important, guys. So please hang in there. This podcast is not more than three hours long. Just <laughs> 15 or 20 minutes, uh, and, and it's information that's going to protect you. So here's why it's important, PA. Because there's this systematic lack of understanding or, or this uh, voluntary ig- ignorance, if you will, of the, of the issue. At medical conferences and even on social media, clinicians of every specialty line up to offer their thoughts and, of course, their remedies on this yeah. growing threat. But despite this sense of urgency and their abundance of opinion, the problem itself has really been scantily understood and it's been very ill-defined until now. And you're going to get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. One systematic review, just like you mentioned, said that the scientific literature found actually 142 different meanings of the term burnout. So how do we fix it if people are, are calling one thing 142 different ways? Mm-hmm. Terrible. The good news, guys, it's getting better. 
And there's ripple effects to this. That's why we've got to stop right now and, and, and put this in perspective. Burnout threatens not only your happiness, your marriage, your relationships, but patient safety, quality care. And when this depersonalization occurs, it leads to poor interactions with patients. And when burned out physicians suffer, they give lack of attention to real patients who need attention and it causes poor performance. We know this, right? I mean, you're not going to give your best if, if you're just not concentrating, if you're emotionally wiped. It's a real issue. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, over the past five years, just five years, guys, and more and more data is on the horizon even still. But over the past five years, there's been a lot of attention to this because we got to do something. So, B.A., you've already mentioned some of the three key points, but let's go into this a little bit more. If you suspect this in yourself or in a colleague, in another medical student or in your resident, what are these symptoms? Tell us about these. Yes. So there are specific symptoms. And and I like that you're talking about how the lack of definition. I have a student that's working on a sweeping review and he's having a really hard time narrowing down the literature because it's difficult. But we Mm. do have some specifics which are around the symptoms of burnout. So exhaustion is going to be a primary one. You're exhausted. Uh, on multiple levels. So you have the energy, the emotion, the spirit. So thinking about the body as a whole, yeah, you're exhausted. Then you have the cynicism. That goes kind of back to that depersonalization, right? <laughs> You've lost your ability to care. Empathy is gone, right? So if you're not even hearing your patients, you can't empathize with them anymore. It's a good key that you might be burnt out. It's good. Uh, you can't connect with them, your patients, the staff, coworkers. You're really kind of checked out. That would be kind of the layperson term of cynicism, Mm -hmm. checked out of the situation. And then the blaming and the shaming, really. Um, You know, whenever, I'm sure you've seen this, people start um, calling people drug seekers or they start labeling people. (laughs) Yeah, That would kind of go along the lines of the blame and the shame, putting it back on the other person. So all part of cynicism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, you know, you don't necessarily, you, you might feel guilty about it, but maybe not so much. So cynicism, so you have exhaustion, cynicism, and then doubt. So you'll begin to doubt that your work makes a difference. So that goes back to that third category, right? Not feeling like you make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And then questioning the quality of what you do. You know, as the electronic medical record came in, a lot of people were questioning, is this even worth it? Sure. People retiring because they didn't necessarily want to deal with that. Is this even worth it? Good points. So there are some recent articles and YouTube videos, most notably the one by Dr. Z, and uh, we're not going to play it for you because there are some um, inappropriate words. Right. Uh, But they bring up the concepts of moral injury, and now there's an idea of human rights violations. There's a most recent article where they're talking about how there's human rights violations. How so? Um, Essentially, kind of along the same lines of moral injury, but essentially you as the physician, your human rights are violated because you're not able to care for your patient in the way that you want to care for them. So, so the provider's human rights are violated. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in medicine, the concept of burnout is changing and evolving. Like I said, um, there's all these different components. People disagree with what it should be called. Uh, we're still in that process. They're again defining something. But thought leaders are contending that burnout is an inaccurate diagnosis. So the condition is instead... Um, experiencing like that the physicians are experiencing moral injury um, moral injury so yeah. that's that's the new term you yeah. said there's new some terms that are gonna be thrown out there yeah. burnout we've all heard mm-hmm. for our professions I mean you can be an architect and be burnout but yeah. moral injury is different moral injury is different okay. and and probably the thing that brought it about the most was a publication slash commentary by two physicians um, Talbot and Dean and yep. 
they essentially brought this publication together and go ahead and Google it because it's it's probably the seminal article that they, it was brought to forward. Um, but essentially, they were talking about how um, moral injury would be the more accurate definition uh, rather than burnout. What do you think about it being categorized as moral injury? Yeah, so look, well, we've already given you guys a lot of stuff, okay? So we've given you some uh, main features and then symptoms. And a quick thing about symptoms. Remember, one of the symptoms, we talked about exhaustion, cynicism, and doubt. Those are the three symptoms, okay? Remember those. But the issue, on, for example, on doubt is... Uh, let's put this in perspective. We all have doubts, okay? I mean, we've all had difficult cases. I've had some surgeries. When I walk out to recovery, I'm like, oh, boy, you know, I hope I didn't get that ureter. <laughs> That's a healthy doubt. That's okay. We all have doubts. So let's put this in perspective. Doubt is okay. Mm-hmm. It is when doubt crosses the line. We all have some cynicism. We're all, we're all messed up people. <laughs> right. But when cynicism crosses that line and per, and per, and affects performance, that's the issue. Same thing with exhaustion. Mm-hmm. We're all tired, but there's a pathological component to all that. Yes. All right. So back, back to the issue on moral injury, guys. These are some terms we want you all to know. Burnout, moral injury. And this is a big issue. Now, remember, this this whole article that, that BA talked about uh, wasn't by some fly-by-night you know, person. It's kind of, these are two respected folks. We're talking about a professor of surgery at Harvard. Uh, another one is part of the uh, Henry Jackson Foundation for the Advancement of Military Medicine. These are these are big folks, respected people in their areas, saying we, we've got to do more. So here's what these authors specifically went into. They said, and here's their quote. Okay, not mine. This is their quote. We believe that burnout itself is a symptom of something larger, our broken healthcare system. But as I'll, I'll explain in just a minute, guys, not everybody agrees with their theory. Okay, some actually are quite offended by that. So let's get into that, because the term moral injury was actually first applied to veterans who are returning with mental and emotional trauma from war. So people don't like when people start using that term outside of the military context. And again, so we have to be very cautious and and and, and give that its due. Many feel that applying this term of moral injury to healthcare is simply not responsible, that it's misleading, and it draws attention from true vets who are suffering from PTSD. So we have to make that clear. Moral injury is generally defined as a perpetuating, a failing to prevent, or bearing witness to, or learning about acts that transgress, in other words, go against, deeply held personal moral beliefs and expectations. That's a lot. It's a pretty deep definition there. So this concept better describes the the untenable double and triple binds that physicians may find themselves in, whereby countless roles that they're expected to undertake often place them in conflict with their primary moral imperative. What's our primary moral imperative? It's primum non noceri. It's verse do no harm. Mm -hmm. It's taking care of the patient. So as Dean and Talbot, as B.A. stated, the, the, the original authors of this concept of moral injury applied to medicine stated, quote, most physicians enter medicine following a calling rather than just a career. They go into the field with this desire to really, to, to really do help people. And many approach it like well, almost with a religious zeal or an enduring uh, 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 an emotion to get this done following lost sleep and lost years of adulthood to get this thing done. Think about it. It's a lot that we've, we've, we've actually sacrificed to get here. Each hurdle offers a lesson in endurance in the service of one's goal, which starting in the third year of medical school, here you are, here you are guys, mm-hmm. this is where you are, is sharply focused on ensuring the best care 
for your patients. Failing to consistently meet patients' needs, which sometimes we can't meet their needs, has a profound impact on the physician's well-being. Remember, this is their definition. And according to these authors of Moral Injury Concept, this is at the heart or the crux of the consequent moral injury. So even though some are trying to replace burnout with moral injury, they can be two kind of different, two different concepts. So I want to make sure that we can both incorporate this and at the same time separate it when it's needed. And who else than an organizational psychologist? <laughs> so BA, I'll turn it over to you. No, it's, it's funny because um, you're absolutely right. And whenever I went back to review the video by Dr. Z, I found that he actually did a follow-up video where he was backpedaling just a little bit. Interesting. Because he had received so much he negative took heat feedback. For it. Yes. He yes, did. Yes. So wow. all the things that you're referring to, it definitely got to him as well. Um, so these authors stress that the difference between burnout and moral injury, it's important because using different terminology reframes the problem in different in different ways and allows for different solutions, right? So if if you want it to be a systematic way, then you would actually reframe it one way or an individual way you would reframe it differently. Got it. So burnout suggests that the problem resides within the individual. So um, the issue is that the people take offense to that because it implies that that individual is deficient in some way. They're flawed. Mm-hmm. Okay. It implies that they lack resources or resilience uh, to withstand the work environment. So it really puts the onus on them. And of course, people push back to that. Sure. Yeah. So the the problem would be perceived as individual. The solutions to burnout must be the individual. So therefore, this is the individual's responsibility, um, and they must implement it. And there's no onus on the institution in that situation. Um, and the moral injury specifically describes the challenge of simultaneously knowing what care patients need, but being unable to provide it, like basically due to the constraints of what's beyond their control. So going back to the EMR example that we were talking about earlier, for example, um, do we take care of our patient, the hospital, the insurer, the EMR, the healthcare system? Um, what about the productivity metrics? You guys are familiar with those probably yeah. at this point. Hopefully third years aren't having to be familiar with them, but it's out there. Um, but there should be only one answer to that question, right? But instead, um, the current business framework of medicine pressures us to serve all of those masters at once. That's pretty pretty intense. It's a lot going on thinking about all those different things as you're having one interaction. So essentially moral injury, um, Dean and Talbot say that it locates the source of distress in the broken system. So it really focuses on the system rather than the individual and not a broken individual and allows us to direct that solution or the solutions and causes of distress to the system rather than the individual. Um, in the end, it addresses the drivers of moral injury on a large scale. Um, they may be most effective as far as preventative treatment, so thinking about fixing issues within the system. Um, but overall, um, there are definitely cumulative effects among healthcare providers. All right, guys, so let's put this into perspective. Here are the two criticisms of either concept, burnout or moral injury. We don't want you to have either one, okay? Burnout says something's wrong with you, man. You just don't, you just don't, mm-hmm. not strong enough. And that's how I train, believe it or not, right? Yeah. Oh, you're just weak. For you're sure. weak. I, mean, I call it, it's machismo culture. That, oh, that, that was it. And that was, <laughs> I was in the county hospital, right? And if you, you know, you couldn't take a 48-hour call, you were weak. Mm-hmm. So that's burnout. Moral injury says, hey, I'm doing the best I can. This system is jacked. (laughs) So that's why you see the criticism on both. Somehow, you know what the truth lies? As in always, there's a truth somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's both are at fault. Both are the issue. Let's be honest. So 
although these concepts are different, they are completely interrelated and they likely coexist in the same individual. So, as stated before, we've already said this, the, con- the, the critics of, of the moral injury concept say that it's putting the blame on the person and it's, it's only looking at them versus the system, whereas the, I'm sorry, burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Burnout puts it on the person mm-hmm. uh, and not on the system, whereas moral injury says it's the system's fault, but has, you're, you're totally free of it. Exactly. So it's got to be somewhere in the middle. So mm-hmm. no doubt there are systemic issues mm-hmm. that are major contributors to physician dissatisfaction, no doubt. But these aren't the only factors that are causing or exacerbating the burnout. Otherwise, we're hopeless, right? We can't control it. The truth is there are issues that we can have, and BA, you can address that, that we can protect uh, our, our psyche. Things like long work hours, physician performance numbers, patient satisfaction surveys, all of these issues come into play here to get us dissatisfied. Those are systemic issues. But likely, physicians' distress is a combination of this burnout, this internal factors, like lack of debrief opportunities when we have a patient death, lack Mm -hmm. of downtime, lack of work-life balance. That's going to burn you out. And that's but, part of, I think, what we're going to try to do here is give them the opportunity man, for the debrief. That's why our web sessions are, are key because those are, quote, quote, protected time till we can kind of come in, secure environment, and see what's going on to prevent burnout and also address some issues in, this, in the system to prevent moral injury. All right, so what's one of the root causes here? So the underlying problem is as we're being pulled in too many directions as a medical student, resident, and attending, as any healthcare provider, we took oaths to put the needs of our patients above all else. But over time, that priority gets eroded in the face of these economic drivers and competitive realities. So too often now, physicians must choose between the needs of their patients and the demands imposed by their employers. Guys, I'm sorry, this is, this is real world, but there's good news. There's a way to, to do this successfully. So, BA, let's shift now and talk a bit about your mindset. I love that. It's one of my, my personal hobbies to dive into this. Yeah. Talk about mindset. Yeah, so um, one of the things to consider is locus of control. Some folks believe that they're in control of what it, what's happening, and others believe that there's an external control, uh-huh. right? So um, that's going to kind of dive into that a little bit. But the most important factor is essentially your mindset. Uh, Stanford researcher Carol Dweck. Yep. Yeah. I like her. Um, found that <laughs> she's she's your friend. Uh, <laughs> found that all of us subscribe to one of two mindsets. So one can lead to frustration and and despair, while the other can lead to personal and professional growth. And that's the concept of the fixed versus growth mindset. Mm-hmm. In a fixed mindset, people believe that their basic qualities, um, like their intelligence or their talent, are finite. And when they believe that that essentially what happens, this is consistent with the traditional culture of medicine, um, which has always assumed you either have it or you don't. Good point. Right? Um, Which can definitely be terrifying. Right. Um, The fixed mindset views a difficult situation as an opportunity to fail rather than to grow. So those are the, and this is most of us, right? We're afraid to fail. Uh, For sure. Yeah. But that's Uh, life. It is life. It is life. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. But that's not necessarily how we were brought up. And that's not this culture. This culture is fear of failure, Mm -hmm. um, which is part of the fixed mindset. And it says that essentially you're not good enough. You're not good enough for that. See, challenge. so here's the point. If you have a fixed mindset, and you can identify, if you can do some research on yourself, guys, if you're looking at this, go, I want you to, am I a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Very easy. When you get a challenge, 
do you automatically go to, I can't do it. Mm, mm -hmm. I, I just can't, I can't, because I don't have it. When, that's your fixed mindset. Yep. The growth mindset, and you're going to get into it, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. You're too excited. <laughs> is talent, yes. intellect, ability is learned. Mm -hmm. You can learn. I, you know how to do laparoscopy. Mm -hmm. uh, you can learn that. And so every challenge becomes an opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That's actually one of the things that they say whenever you're complimenting your child, instead of saying you're so smart, you should, you should say that was really great effort. You did such a good job. That's working perfectly on that. in line with, with her research. Mm -hmm. So that you can continue to perpetuate a growth mindset. So in a growth mindset, people believe that their abilities can be developed. Mm. Uh, this view creates a love of learning. That's that's your life, right? Love Lifelong it. learning in medicine and fuels a drive for greater accomplishment. So continuing to learn and grow. They view difficult situations as opportunities rather than risks. And that's what you're referring to earlier, a new situation. You don't run from it and say, I can't. You you decide you're going to grow and move forward. Um, and instead of, oh, I'm going to fail, right? As healthcare organizations move toward more integrated care delivery models, leaders have an opportunity to embrace this growth mindset. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier in the conversation, whenever the EMR came along and you had people that just retired. That that's that's terrible. Mindset. That's right. Totally true. Fixed mindset. <laughs> um, but essentially, this can bolster collaboration over competition, right? We're going to grow and learn together. And it starts with your mindset. Mm -mm -mm. Love it. So what do you think as far as protecting ourselves? What man, can we do? Man, that's good stuff, guys. So t again, a couple of take-homes, moral injury, burnout, fixed mindset, growth mindset. A and just a as a side note, um, there there's plenty of research where people have implemented this growth mindset, taught children, hey, you can do this, encouragement and, and the, the environment of learning, right? That's mm -hmm. one of our LCME, one of our credential things for yes. medical school. They found that even in low-performance schools, despite poor socio-demographic backgrounds for these otherwise disadvantaged kids, mm -hmm. when they were taught in a growth mindset formula, they did better than those in the well-to-do schools. That makes sense. This is published. This was out of uh, Lima, Peru. Mm -hmm. All with what? Mind Nothing changed. Their environment didn't change. It's their mindset. They believe they could. How do you think an athlete's testify to this? It's they, they got there because of the ability, the thought that they can learn a new skill. Mm -hmm. So, guys, if anything to walk away, please, your mindset can, can be killing you psychologically or, or you can use that as a springboard. All right. Here's the good news. Our last part, guys, we're, we're, we're wrapping it up. The last question, remember, was the how. How do you use this? It's all great. How do I protect myself? We're going to tell you right now. So the AHRQ, that is the, the Agency for Research and Quality. It's a big national organization. Trust me, you're going to hear a lot about them in medical school and in residency because a lot of data comes from them. They funded a healthy workplace study. This was a cluster, randomized trial of 166 physicians, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants, 34 primary care clinics. Okay? So this is a lot of different places. The, some of these had had interventions set aside from three categories and addressed improving communication, changing workflow, or addressing clinician concerns about quality improvement projects. So each of these categories of interventions led to improvements in some of those clinician outcomes, suggesting that a range of interventions, here's the good news guys, that directly address clinicians' perceptions and concerns about burnout and about systematic or even personal issues can be effective. Can't plug this enough. That's why we're doing our web sessions. That's one of these interventions. So as a student, here's some things that can help you prevent this cynicism, this burnout issue. 
first, have active and direct communication with your faculty. I mean, it's okay to go, hey, you know, burp, blowing the whistle here, time out. Uh, I, I, I need a regroup. Uh, I'm a little stressed out. I've done that to my nursing staff in L&D. Uh, guys, I, I need 30 minutes to walk away. I, I'm going to freak, okay? And I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to wash my face and come back. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't you, you can do that. Second, allow time away from books to be normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, work all the time makes you weird. Have a life. <laughs> go watch a movie. Go go get a beverage responsibly, right? Responsibly. <laughs> Just relax. Three, get some rest. Don't waste your opportunity to sleep. You need to mentally and physically recharge. Remember BA symptom? One of those was exhaustion. Physical leads to mental exhaustion. And then fourth is develop a social support network. You need friends, man. I mean, if you're, if you're a loner, God bless you. You're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. You need a support group. And so as an intern or as a resident, there's some things that you can do as well. And so I want to get to some of these things that you can do as a resident. B.A., why don't you take it from here? Yeah, so scheduling monthly provider meetings focused on work-life issues or clinical topics after surveying staff members on which topics to address. So kind of being proactive, essentially. That's it. Enhancing team functioning with quality improvement projects to engage office staff, enhance teamwork, and reduce the pressure of physicians to be responsible for all aspects of care. You know what that tells me? Have ideas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One of the smartest things that someone told me was, if you're going to go with a complaint, have an idea of how to fix it. For sure. Right? Um, having medical assistance or similar, some someone, enter patient data into electronic health records, track forms, and send faxes. Uh, essentially, allow the physician to do the things that they need to be doing. Um, I actually had an old boss that said, I don't pay you to type up things. I pay you to have these interactions. Sweet. So um, really keeping that in mind. Mm. Um, something else that you kind of alluded to earlier that I wanted to throw out there is not only have your support network within medicine, but also have it external to medicine. Your whole Absolutely. life can't be medicine. Um, additional interventions that may be um, able to assist in reducing burnout are creating standing order sets. Thankfully, those are done. Yeah. Um, reducing required activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest. Learn how to say no. Yes. <laughs> There's a book that's uh, getting to yes by saying no or something. Yes, like that. I know that's but, a good yeah. one. Providing time in the workday and workflow to complete required documentation tasks, enter data into electronic health records. Have your own set admin time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and account for that time. I think a lot of times it's I'm almost done, but you still have that to do. Right. right? Um, offering flexible or part time work schedules. Yep. That's something that is. Uh, underrated and undervalued. People don't necessarily And residents, residencies are moving towards yeah. this, more towards shift work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have some balance. And I know that balance is impossible. Some people call it a juggle. Some people call it a negotiation. Right. But, but just make sure that you're trying to account for that. And um, something that they're actually doing, I know, in, in residency and fellowship programs is hiring floating clinicians to cover. Yep. So like night float is a common thing, right? Yep. Um, and then something else that was interesting is in the mass general system, which they probably have more folks to choose from. They actually have somebody who it truly is their rotation to be on call for when somebody calls out sick. Sweet. Isn't so, that amazing? So PRN, PRN. Mm-hmm, exactly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then building workplace teams that address workflow and quality measures 
it's really important that your teams actually work with you. Ensuring values align between physicians, nurses, and leaders, that's something huge. I'm working on a communication project right now with the Department of Surgery, and their goals aren't in line. So if your goals aren't in line, you're gonna have a hard time with that communication. And then there's your frustration, Mm -hmm. that's down the road, that's three dominoes down, you get burnout. Exactly. Love it. Yeah, so have those conversations. Good stuff. Um, And then really just tied to the concept of mindset. So going back to that mindset, um, focusing on gratitude. I think at some point we might talk about gratitude journals. Uh, I'm talk huge. about that a little bit. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but essentially psychologists say that the ability to keep a gratitude journal is um, great at warding off feelings of anxiety and despair. Man, I, I, got, I got I to tell you something. So I was an intern, mm-hmm. ER, right, Parkland Hospital. Mm-hmm. I'd had it. Had it. Done. I mean, done. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently I was yelling at nurses. I'm an intern, right? What do I hell do I know? Okay. <laughs> You'll have to edit that word out later. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's reality. And somebody whistle blew. My faculty comes down. I'm like, what's going on? Because this guy never comes down, right? And at that time, it was like the golden throne. Like, they never come down. Right. Like, somebody's dying. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, hey, can let me borrow you for a minute. Okay. Hector, what's up? Nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm trashed. I'm, I've got a bunch of people here. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I've got to move. Yeah. Because if you left a lot of patients for your next change of shift, you were weak. Yes. Did you get this? And it's, they you, will you see, call that's you a systemat- out too. I mean, mm-hmm. weak, yep. weak. So I'm, I, I got I to finish. Like, hey, um, so here's what my faculty told me. Go home. Really? I, I can go home? I have like five hours left to my sh- Go home. I'm like, well, somebody gonna, who's going to cover for me? Oh, no one. I mean, it, this place was just being complete chaos. But you, you make that, you can go home. Well, I don't understand. Obviously, it's too much for you. Go home. But I just want to remember one thing. Did somebody force you to take this shift? No. Did somebody force you to go to medical school? No. There are people lined up right now, you get where I'm going, Mm -hmm. who would be in your spot in a heartbeat because you don't have the gratitude. You've seen the work instead of you wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? And I'm telling you, as frazzled as I was as an intern, uh, I have no pride, guys. Here it is. Here's full transparency. I went into that room, my car room, and I cried like a baby because I forgot. Yeah. And I let the stress, and he just walked away. If you, go home. I called him immediately. I remember. You're right. I, I want to be here. Oh, my God. I was so opening up that letter of, of, of residency and hoping that I got somewhere. I want to be here. I, I, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Guys, please just listen to this. Don't lose that gratitude. Somebody would take your spot in a minute because they didn't get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, BA. And if there truly is a systematic issue, then you go back to some of the things that we were talking about earlier. Come in with ideas. Come in with, you know what, a night float would really help so that we would ensure that we're not here all these extra hours. Um, but instead of freaking out, getting frustrated, go in with gratitude and ideas. Can I yeah. tell you, that was 1997. Okay, just mm-hmm. age myself a little bit. <laughs> but to how much I remember that. Yeah. And that was Dr. James Alexander, maternal fetal medicine. Mm-hmm. Who I, he had probably no clue anymore. I will never forget that. You wanted to be here. And we forget that that gratitude, we, we forget. There's a sentinel event in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether it's called burnout or moral injury, it doesn't really matter. It's academic exercise, right? Right. They're both equally issues. They both take tolls on physicians. They take tolls on the patients ultimately because you can't be at your best if you know, you're know you a burnout or having a moral injury issue. Um, but essentially they do affect practice. Physician well-being is a shared responsibility. So we talked about internal versus external. Physician well-being requires collaboration between individual physician and their organizations. Partnerships among healthcare team members and 
medical um, organizations, local, national physician groups, everyone. Yeah. Everyone is responsible. Um, and everyone needs to step up, come to the table, and start figuring out what we need to do because we do need some systematic changes, but we also need to look internally too. Um, healthy organizations could use uh, the partnerships to productively identify and respond to challenges, those systematic issues, um, but continually cultivate well-being, which interestingly, well-being is another one that's not well-defined in the literature. <laughs> yeah. um, but now, thankfully, uh, people are starting to see that the Grin and Barrett tradition and culture of medicine is is not the way to go. Yeah. What else you got for us, Dr. Chow? Well, guys, this brings us to a wrap. So let's just say a couple of, set of important sentinel things here. We want you guys to be healthy physically, healthy mentally, and seriously, guys, emotionally. You guys invested way too much time, wasted way too much sleep, uh, sleepless nights, wasted too much money mm -hmm. to take this and have a terrible experience. All of us are, have issues, man. I'm telling you, you're going to see me on a bad night. It just happens. But... Try not to make that a pattern and a habit of our thought process. Truth is, mindset is huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. We should do a whole podcast on another time, <laughs> maybe next year. We don't have time this year. But I'm telling you guys, I hope you all found this helpful because burnout, moral injury, symptoms, the definitions, all of these are vital, especially during your clerkship year. This is Dr. Chapa and Dr. Bobby Anna Dear White. We'll see you next time on another episode of Palm 4.